and welcome to the Scottish Roadscast, a podcast all about Scotland's roads, bridges and motorways. I'm John Hassel. And I'm Stuart Beard. Hello Stuart, how are you? Very well John, how are you? I'm absolutely wonderful. What are we going to be talking about this episode? We have a very special podcast lined up this month. They're all special podcasts. They are all special, but this one's very special. Okay. We are celebrating the 60th anniversary of the Clyde Tunnel. That's, That's in Glasgow. Yes. Thank you. Yes. We've cleared that up. <laughs> 60, though. Is this maybe the, the, the longest uh, the, or the, the oldest anniversary have we done? To date. Today? We have a longer anniversary coming up very soon in another well, podcast. Okay, we won't spoil no. that yet. But, but yes, yeah, so far. 60 yeah. years. July the 3rd, 1963, mm-hmm. the northbound tunnel of the Clyde Tunnel was opened to traffic by the Queen and Prince Philip. Uh, one of Glasgow's first major post-war road schemes. Uh, something of a city landmark mm-hmm. now you could say and pretty iconic and I think it's fair to say that we are both reasonable fans of the of the Clyde Tunnel and always have been I'm always a fan of the crossing of the Clyde mm-hmm. although you know I'm a big fan of Erskine Bridge but y- yes, you uh-huh. remember we had a uh, podcast or roadcast mm-hmm. uh, before about the the, the Clyde crossings, yes. and I'm pretty sure Clyde Tunnel won. I think it uh, because people did poll for it, and or, yeah. or, or we did have a, a debate about we d- it. We did indeed. So the Clyde Tunnel mm. was, as I say, the first major post-war road scheme taken forward by Glasgow Corporation. We often speak about a highway plan for Glasgow and all those 1960s plans. The Clyde Tunnel actually predates all of that mm. because the Clyde Tunnel was first proposed in the Bruce Report of 1945. Yeah, uh, that's obviously the report that, that everyone knows by now was the the one that recommended the demolition and rebuild of the city centre. But as we've said many, 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 many times, also had some very sensible proposals for, for roads transport. and transportation. The inner ring road for the city centre, mm. radial motorways, urban routes, bypasses, and the tunnel, of all course, crucially thing. as well. So we're going to cover all the history, all the planning, all the construction. Talk a wee bit about what's been happening recently with the tunnel and what's yep. planned for the future. But I think before that, we should get one or two thank yous out of the way. Absolutely. We'll do that up front. And, and a big, big, big thank you to Glasgow City Council for all their assistance in the, the production of not just the podcast, but also of all the other things we've done for this anniversary. Mm-hmm. In particular, our new booklet that, that's now on sale on the website. So we have produced our latest anniversary series booklet. And it's our biggest yet. It's the biggest yet. 28 pages. And I should say most of those pages are taken up by all new photos, Mm. previously unseen photos that we have scanned recently. And by the way, thanks to Automated Document Services for scanning those photos for us very quickly because we only got access to them quite late in the day when we we found out where they were. And then Pamela and the team there quickly turned them around for us. So Mm -hmm. thank you, big thank you to them. Uh, and also thanks to the sponsors as well, East for the Excavations and, and HBS. And Highway Barrier yeah, Solutions. Just, for, just yeah. for, for getting us to this point. So, thanks for the support. Yeah, lots of big thank yous there. So what else can we say? So we've got the booklet on sale on the website now. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this, uh, there will be a number of things going out on the social media feeds and there's a new web article and a whole raft of things you can look at with new information on the project. Because on the website, we only ever had a very basic page on the Clyde Tunnel and the approaches. We now have a lot more detail around yeah. the development of the route and and the approaches, uh, incidentally. We've, we've included those within this. I always found with the Clyde Tunnel, uh, we've we seen it as 
the tunnel itself, but a, a major component of it is its approach roads in yes. some ways. And uh-huh. everything was these different dates, yeah. which we're going to cover here. Yeah. Yeah. So what page was always going to cover it? Was it going to be expressway page or Clyde Tunnel Express or the Clyde Tunnel yeah. page and itself? With, so the information has kind of been everywhere, yeah. but it's great now. It's all pulled together. With the recent anniversary of the Clyde Side Expressway and the fact that we rejigged all that article, and now we've done the tunnel and its approaches, we, we've kind of ticked off those major Glasgow routes yeah. you know, along that sort of bank of the Clyde and, and, and down to the M8. So it's good that we're in that position. So lots of really useful information on there. So get on the website, scottishroadsarchive.org forward slash Clyde dash tunnel. Exactly. All right. You'll also get it if you just type that kind of roughly into Google. Oh, yeah, we're all over That's Google. what I do. Ah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Shall I begin? Yes, please. Anything you wish to know first before we start? No, something I'd wish to state. Yes. I was at the People's Palace on the weekend, you know, oh, Glasgow Green. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you mentioned about the Bruce Report. Yes. They do actually have that illustration from the Bruce Report that shows the um, the, the plan they had for the city centre right. with, with some of the roads things. And I, it's just when you mentioned it there, I was like, I'm going to plug the people's palace which actually is excellent it's a good way. facility that. it's a good um to to go and visit the the, the winter gardens or whatever are still closed there mm, but there's uh, been a bit of controversy over that but yeah okay well mm-hmm. we'll move swiftly on <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay fine okay then clyde tunnel clyde tunnel way back in 1945 robert bruce published his first planning report for glasgow corporation the Second World War was still raging at that time. Um, we were still a month or so out from VE Day at that mm-hmm. point. But already the, they knew the war was coming to a close. They started to think about the future and, and what did the city need. Now, there had been some discussions pre-war about the need for crossings of the river downstream of the city centre. Yeah. Because there were ferries. There were lots of ferries in Glasgow. In fact, some of the research that, that we, we did for this Clyde Tunnel anniversary revealed Way more ferries than I even realised. And by the way... You always think of like Yoko Renfrew, that's yeah. one. Yeah. Did you know, and I, I mean, I didn't know, that the Govan Ferry and the White Inch Ferry, which was the, the two that the tunnel directly replaced, mm-hmm. the ferries used there had adjustable platforms. The height went up and down, determined by the tide. So that by the time it got to the other side, if the tide was coming in, they, they increased the height of the platform so the vehicles could get off onto the quay. And likewise at the other side. So there's a photo of it in the booklet and on the website. Mm. Uh, it's, just, it's a very interesting vehicle. I, I knew oh. all about that. Did right. you not know that? No, I was clueless. No, I'm joking. I, I never knew that. That right. was fantastic. Okay, well, so, aye, so the, a, lot of new, a lot of new information. That, that is quite ingenious, yeah. actually. And it's probably important in some ways that you bring up the ferries yeah. there because these are, you know, there, there were a lot of them. But... I, how, how did you get across the Clyde by a fixed structure? You was had it, to come into the city centre. So it was over, over yeah. the bridge in the city centre. Aye. Uh, so the, the, the old bridges there, the old arch bridges, you had to come into the city centre and use those. Mm. The the ferries, as good as they were, were struggling to keep up with the growth in, in traffic. Yeah, because before, the people even were before sta- the war, people were starting to get cars yeah. at this point. But particularly mm. after the war. Um, and they were great for small cars and vehicles and people, but not so good for some of the bigger trucks and things that were starting to, to use mm-hmm. the roads as, as goods were switching to, to road transport. So even before the war, they, they knew something was going to have to be done. Uh, and they, they, they initially considered a bridge at Finiston uh, and various other things. Then, then the war came uh, and, and they published this new report on the first planning report. And Bruce was, was particularly interested in improving connections around the growing suburbs of the city. Um, and also around the city centre itself where there was a major congestion issue, but also improving cross-river connections as well, particularly was, it, between the north and south. It was quite industrial yeah. at those times as yeah. well. We have to think back to 
Glasgow at the time, mm -hmm. uh, which was a huge kind of centralised industries yes. in these areas and on the banks of the Clyde and, and shipbuilding yeah. as well. Lots of new industrial development in the south, particularly around Hillington, mm -hmm. happening at that time, both before the war and after. Lots of new housing being built around Jordan Hill, Kellandale, all these places in the north of the city. And they wanted to get the skilled labour from the north to the south easily. Yeah. So the tunnel was a key consideration, a key component of planning for all of that, right? So, as we've spoken about before as part of the inner ring road and various things, the corporation were keen to move forward with as many of these new proposed roads as possible. However, the post-war austerity and the complete lack of budget yeah. meant that they couldn't and they had to choose particular projects to move forward. The tunnel was prioritised. Yeah. Okay, It was approved in 1947, and by 1948, the Parliamentary Act required for the construction of the tunnel was taken forward and also approved. Okay, okay. So by 1948, the government had said, yeah, okay, go ahead, build the a tunnel. The boxes were getting ticked. And had also given a commitment that there would be some grant assistance as well mm. for the construction of it, as again, which was commonplace at the time. However, the post-war funding setup wasn't really getting any better, and progress was slow. There was a bit of movement in the very early 1950s because in 1951, Hal Crone Partners were appointed by the corporation to take forward the design of the tunnel and make recommendations on, on what it should look like. Okay. Uh, because we did have tunnels in the UK at that point, Liverpool, for example. Yeah, they, they had the, um, the, what they call the Queensway Tunnel. Yeah, so, tunnel, you know, yeah. so we did have tunnels um, mm -hmm. already in the UK and, and, and some of the other cities were looking to them as well. So it, And we had, uh, obviously, in London, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Blackwell Tunnel, some yeah. of those, they, I believe they were pre-war tunnels as well. I'll, I'll have to check. They're actually building another tunnel in in London at the moment, but I'll have to check some of the dates there. But no, it wasn't the first in the UK. We know that. And I don't even believe it was the, it was the very first under the Clyde because it was a pedestrian tunnel. You know the Rotundas? <laughs> yes, that's right. That was that used to be a pedestrian-only tunnel, and now yeah. it's been closed for years, and I yeah. think now it just takes services. Services, yeah. So that was built in the 1890s, I think, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but that yeah. wasn't for vehicles. No. No, yeah. that's right. Absolutely right. Um, so they knew that a bridge was was impractical because at of that shipping. location because of the shipping because shipping yeah. was so important to the city at that time. Mm. Shipbuilding, uh, you know, goods coming in, goods going out, especially that far up the Clyde. Exactly. Mm. So they knew bridge, mm, yeah, possible, but probably impractical. So the tunnel was probably considered the you know the best the best sim simple option. Um, so as I say, by 1949. Um, you know, it was it was it was all all systems go. Uh, Halcrone Partners appointed nineteen fifty one. Uh, Halcrone Partners had a big office in Glasgow. Yeah, uh, they they'd done the expressway they did the as expressway well. The expressway, as yep. we discussed recently, um, and and obviously the first thing they had to really do was was, was look at detailed investigations and ground investigations and all these sorts of things. And the first of those were undertaken in nineteen fifty two. You know, so they start drilling boreholes. They couldn't do them in the river because, again, because of shipping and being in the channel. But they were able to take enough from either side that they had a good idea that actually ground conditions were probably going to be challenging. Yeah. You know, the, you know, it wasn't it wasn't as if it was solid rock and we were just going to blast our way through. There was a lot of clays and things like that. It was going to be a bit more difficult um, in terms of the methods used for construction. But we'll come on to that uh, very shortly. Ultimately, uh, Halcrow settled on. A twin tunnel arrangement, so mm -hmm. a north and a southbound tunnel. So different from Mersey, which was the the one tunnel. Yeah, exactly. The time, so yeah. they were going to have two two tubes, 
uh, side by side with uh, connections between them occasionally for service access and the like. Yeah. It was also recommended that an allowance be made for pedestrians okay. uh, and cyclists as well. So which that, we have. Yep. Yes. So it wasn't just about for vehicles. Others, you know, people should be able to be able to cross the river as well because it was felt that 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 was important. And you know we love to, to, to give you some stats and dimensions and things. So I'm going to, going to tell you what the sizes of, of, of the tunnel that w- that were that was ultimately proposed were. Metric? We're going to do it metric. They've been converted okay. from, from feet and inches. Okay, imperial. I was going to say at that point when they were doing it, it would have all been imperial. It was all imperial, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. But the conversions were as follows. So okay. a twin tunnel arrangement was specified. Each tunnel was to be 762 metres long with an internal diameter of 9 metres. Okay. okay. Each carriageway, which would have two running lanes, okay, mm-hmm. uh, would be six point seven meters wide. Okay. Uh, and these are built on basically a transverse transverse three span bridge supported um on abutments which are attached to the tunnel lining and intermediately on the walls that form the pedestrian walkway. So basically to, to simplify that, think of the tunnel as a perfect circle. Yes. One third of the way up is the road deck. Below that road deck, there's space for the pedestrian and cycleway tunnel and also for the ventilation ducts on either side as well. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's kind of, I'm just imagining like, um, I mean, I've seen the diagram, but just for our listeners. Mm-hmm. So it's like almost if you look into like a, a toilet tube, uh, yeah. that way, and you yep. imagine like a square box being inserted into it, that's the part for the road. Yeah. Okay, so you've got exactly. some you've you've got space either side then for for other things. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now the tunnel was always designed with a speed limit of thirty miles an hour in mind, mm-hmm. as as it is today. Um, so there's been no change there, uh, and it has a gradient of almost six percent. Now, when the tunnel was completed, it actually had the steepest gradient of any tunnel in the world at that yeah. time. Uh, there are steep. others now that are steeper than that, but at that yeah. time it was the it was the steepest uh, in the world. Uh, Something else, each tunnel drains to a sump at its lowest point, mm-hmm. and that's then pumped back upwards to ground level. So that's oh, constantly right. okay. going well, on. Well of, well, of course, because it's below the sea level. Exactly. You've got, you've got to have a pump running 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. putting everything out. Yeah. So, in terms of the construction, so, through the 1950s, they carried on with their design, they were able to get all their investigations done, and by 1957, we finally were able to let a contract for the construction, and that was let to contractor Charles Brandon Son Limited, uh, who were known for lots of things. Um, I think the tunnel was probably the biggest single project in Glasgow that they were ever involved in. But they, if you look them up, they were involved in other smaller scale projects across the city. Even up until the nineteen nineties, they were still getting involved, and uh, in, you know, in things across the city. So a fairly well known contractor for for them at that time. Okay. It was expected that construction would take around four to five years. You know, this was a, a technically challenging project. It was never going to be just a straightforward throw up in a couple of years like we did with some of the motorway projects. I mean, even Kingston Bridge took, uh, yeah. you know, three years to build. Uh, so the tunnel was always going to take a bit longer than that. Because, as I said to you, those challenging ground conditions meant that they were going to have to use tunnel shields and compressed just- air going to say about yeah. the technology used in the methods of construction is mm-hmm. probably quite different now now we're doing a lot of tunneling in the uk just yeah. now particularly with high speed two yeah 
Um, and these used TBMs, yeah. but they, they didn't have a, a tunnel boring machine. No, no they, yeah. they used the shield it's method. fully yeah. mechanised now for, yeah. for tunnelling, even in those sort of ground conditions. But, but back then, mm-hmm. it just wasn't going to be possible. It was going to have to be tunnel shields, which basically mean that you progressively work out away from each bank and eventually meet in the middle. And the shields basically hold up the river and all the soil and all the stuff above you and save that collapse and you know from collapsing in and where you're working mm-hmm. and the compressed air element obviously helps that it creates an environment so that the, holds everything up that's right because i i know about this because the workforce in there had to work at a higher pressure that's right yeah yeah I, and, and interestingly the techniques for decompression after working in such environments had not really been perfected at that point there was a long process before and after before you could go in and work in that environment and it roughly took an hour so that added an hour on at the like, start and finishing like divers shift. with the bends exactly yeah uh, there were numerous cases of decompression sickness because some workers really refused to go through that process uh, so yeah interesting because health and safety you know you uh, yeah, every day i mean it is it's like being a diver i suppose because you are going in those different pressures all the time now interestingly very little progress was made in, in methods for tunnelling from the 19th into the 20th century. So the, the tunnel shields used in the construction of the Clyde Tunnel in the 1950s were actually based on the design for Marcus and Barbrunel's design for the Thames Tunnel back in the Victorian era. Yeah. You know, so there'd been very little progress really in the, say, the, the, the 100 years since you know, the 50 to 100 years mm-hmm. since, yeah. So, which was well, really you, use, you use what you know, don't you? Yeah, so. well that's right. Um... In terms of construction, as I say, they work out from each bank towards the middle of the river. Pilot tunnels were dug first. So we didn't just start digging big circles. We started with smaller tunnels. A great photo uh, of of the pilot tunnel uh, on the, the website and in the booklet. Mm. And there's another one in the booklet that actually shows them pumping in some grout for the you know the ground treatment works as well. Really interesting photos. So they, they, they worked in these small pilot tunnels first, which were much smaller than the... the of course they were and i see why i mean it's same way you drill a pilot hole sometimes is to guide the larger drill bit and it's a case of if you're trying to get two things to meet yeah if you made a hash of it you you would you would rather do that with something smaller than larger i'm just i'm just thinking in a layman's terms on that yeah well the the pilot tunnels themselves they were only 3.7 meters in diameter yeah so quite small Mm. you know for working and really quite small and that photo in the uh and the booklet really illustrates that very well. Um, once the pilot holes had been dug and the pilot tunnels, sorry, had been dug and we were clear on what we were doing and the ground treatment had been done, we could actually start, you know, digging out the, the, the main tunnels themselves. Uh, and these were cut perfectly circular uh, with cast iron linings installed for structural support. Mm. Okay. And again, you see them in the photos. Uh, interestingly, the, the cast iron linings were manufactured by the Caron Company in Falkirk, okay. famous uh, you know, sort of fabricator. Uh, for that that type of material and each ring of the lining was formed from 16 segments and weighed 11 tons it's very heavy neck and i don't know who fall this down there you know absolutely yeah yeah uh the reinforced concrete road deck which i mentioned earlier that was cast in 10 meter sections at a height of one third of the tunnel's diameter another fantastic photo in the uh and i'm just showing you here Mm. that is in the booklet uh and also on the web page that was a newly unearthed photo that shows it very well where you can see the pedestrian and cycleway below and, and this wonderful road deck up above uh, it's, it's a really stunning image that it just it just it's quite interesting so well. you you had a good description earlier and i've never thought of it this way it's the road deck is a bridge yeah it is. in the tunnel yeah 
And it's cool. <laughs> and the void underneath is is used for the for the pedestrian and cycleway. Mm-hmm. And there are, of course, spaces at either side. Now, what there is still some dead space mm-hmm. at the top, yeah. Uh, and so again for forced air ventilation, so forced air ventilation and service ducts as well. Interestingly, the, the space at the top. So, in terms of ventilation, that's pumped in. So vehicle movements through the tunnel mm-hmm. are usually sufficient to pump enough air through. Yeah. Right. But in conditions where maybe there's a breakdown or there's congestion or whatever, and the fans have to click in, yeah. they pump in like six and a half thousand cubic meters of air. You know, per minute. Yeah. Uh, you know, in through the tunnels, they come in through the bottom end, and in the crown of the tunnel, up in the roof of the tunnel, that's the extractors. Yeah. So that's where we extract it. And and anybody who's used the tunnel, you know, the ventilation buildings are at either end. Yeah. Of the tunnel, and that's where obviously all the machinery is that that, that, that keeps allows this us to go for safety reasons. Going, yeah. And yeah, it's all very very interesting. But obviously, the Clyde Tunnel is Scotland's only road tunnel. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Um, some people turn around and say, "Well, what about what about Charing Cross? That's sort of a tunnel. It's not long enough. It's not long. It's enough. not long enough. But it's also it's not a true tunnel because it's cut and cover. Exactly. And the same with things that like uh, in Stirling. Yeah. But as you say, like like road. Obviously, we have railway tunnels. Uh, to be honest with you, but no. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Scotland's only proper road tunnel. Proper road tunnel. Yeah, yeah, because it's got ventilation and fire control. You never know, we might, but we might get another tunnel. You never know. You never know. You never know. Um, the tunneling phase um, was obviously quite long. Mm. It wasn't something that was completed overnight. It took years, you know, literally years from 1957 to 1962. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so six years. Um, the the tough ground conditions meant that it was quickly realised that the in- initial programme was challenging for completion and it was going to take a bit longer than they originally expected it to. Uh, so that that's why the, the completion came a bit later than maybe than when they first set out. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the later, challenging conditions, uh, you know, just made, made for a very tricky, very tricky... Uh, the thing... I, I've I've found with it as well is and I know you're gonna you're gonna get to this, Stuart, mm-hmm. is that of course it was one bore that was open first, yeah. wasn't it? Uh which which probably gave them leeway, I suppose. But was it ever was that always the original plan? Was we'll open one bore first, or was this as a result of that programme being being so tight? That was always my assumption. Right. But when I started reading through some of the new information we've come across, it does look as though the northbound tunnel was always expected to be completed first. Yeah. Right? It, it seems that there was never an expectation that both of them would be done in time because there was a team of 16 miners involved in the construction of, of each tunnel, right? They, they could only do so much at a time. Uh, and the northbound tunnel was the was the most the more challenging of the two. Believe it or not, the ground conditions even that close uh, you know, varied so much. Yeah, yeah. So the, the construction of the northbound tunnel was more difficult than than the southbound. So they they sort of they prioritised the completion of that, and that's why that one was finished. You know that side was finished first. Um, it's it's interesting in the sense that you would have thought they would have looked to get the whole thing completed before they opened it. But I think from reading the papers and things that, that we've got, the technical papers we've managed to unearth, it just seems that the priority was getting something open, you know? Yeah. And that's why for the first... So it was two-way traffic yeah. then, wasn't it, through the northbound tunnel um, of, of cars going basically either way mm-hmm. to connect it up. Yeah, So exactly. So a few other interesting facts uh, about the tunnel. So originally it was clad 
in green panelling. That's right. With a sort of cream coloured ceiling. It looked like kind of like an avocado bathroom. That's right. Didn't it? Yeah. yeah. It has a very different look to it compared to how it looks with a now. flat roof. With a with a flat roof. Yeah. Uh, not the sort of stuff that's fireproof at all or we considered acceptable today. Okay, said. it's good we're uh, saying that today. <laughs> it's the sort of stuff that if it caught fire, it would probably have burned and produced fumes and yeah, uh, okay. all those sort of nasty things that you associate with stuff built in the fifties and sixties. Yeah, so that's why all of that stuff has been ripped been out, ripped out long we, ago. We can, long, long we ago. can basically see it yeah. on the top of the tunnel. Right? But would you believe the the even down to the color of that cladding um, and and the way the lighting worked with it? It was all designed so that as you're coming out of daylight bright sunlight if you're driving south towards the tunnel and the sun is in your eyes your eyes need to adjust very quickly as you enter the tunnel so you can you can still see you can see mm. where you're going and the color of that cladding and the type of lighting used and at that type it was sort of cornice lighting so it was actually about two-thirds of the way up on the on the on either side of the tunnel yeah. designed in such a way that your eyes could very quickly adjust it was very bright as you entered and then it would dull down gradually as you as you travel through the tunnel and then brighten up again as you come towards oh, it's clever at the other end somebody's thought of that yeah, yeah. And, and you know that, that that's sort of the case in any sort of long tunnel or even underpass like even the charing cross underpass in glasgow does that in in certain conditions mm-hmm. um and the tunnel today with even with its modern led lighting it's still the same as brighter at the portals than it is it is when you're edge. in it to, to help your eyes. Yeah. Um, in terms of the other other things, so a number of shafts were also dug uh, ahead of the you know ahead of the pilot tunnels. They had to do them. There was one of them both sides, north and south of the river. They're roughly located where the ventilation buildings are mm-hmm. now. Um, it was all all very interesting, all groundbreaking in terms of what things Glasgow and even Scotland had ever ever done before. Mm-hmm. Um, the it was a big thing. It had a lot of national interest. Just like the Fourth Road Bridge and other big projects going Queen on at the same came time, to open yeah, it. exactly. That yeah. kind of gives you an indication, uh, indication of what it was. Yeah, yeah. And they were they were using technology in this tunnel that had just never been used anywhere in Scotland I know before. I know you're going so with this. we've got yeah. the CCTV system. I was going to say, so that you've got some fantastic images yeah. of the the control room, and there's one in the booklet. There's one. Yep. <laughs> I was going to say, we'll plug the booklet. Plug the booklet. But yeah. we've um, there, there, there's one that, and you say that. We had a visit to the Clyde Tunnel mm-hmm. uh, a number of years ago now, and I think that's where we came to learn it was one of the the, the uh, earliest uses of actual CCTV. Can you imagine that a CCTV camera system in the in the nineteen sixties? Yeah. It, it was new technology. Yeah, absolutely new. Technology. They even had their own little kind of what I understood a kind of an incident support service as they, well at the did. time. So yeah. just in case something did happen in the tunnel, they could easily identify it. They they also had traffic light control yeah, as well. Right. Um, so it had its its own command and control system. Here's a list of the things that they had in the tunnel, things that we today just take for granted. Okay. But they had then, so we had remote controlled CCTV. Okay. Yeah. We, uh, the lighting could be remotely controlled. Traffic control signals mm-hmm. uh, and systems. Emergency telephones. Automatic fire detection systems. Uh, and a road heating system as well yes so mm-hmm. this gets people quite excited yep. uh, whenever you talk about road heating mm-hmm. uh, so it's obviously this means that you don't need to worry about plastering the whole thing with salt because as you talked about you got yep. cast iron yep. and all this kind of thing it would wreck it yeah the road heating system um 
I don't know. A lot of these things weren't used very much at the time where they've been implemented elsewhere. What? How did that work out for them? Apparently worked quite well at the tunnel for for several years uh, okay. and, and was utilised for, for a good while before it burned out. And, and very energy intensive, those old systems. Yeah, you're running yeah. an electric element, basically, exactly, under yeah. the roads. So. so, you know, probably burned itself eventually and was just... Was just never so replaced. now what they, they do, what's the winter maintenance schedule there? Do they use a, a kind of like a, an antifreeze chemical, a potassium acetate or something most, like Most that? likely. And then I guess in the tunnel itself, you probably don't really need to salt that because below mm. ground, obviously, you know, you, you it's going to be warm anyway. So yeah, uh, so yeah they probably, it's probably the approaches. You that, don't that want to be that. salting through that, no, I would No, you really, you really, really don't. Mm. Um, so on completion in 1963, the Clyde Tunnel was said to have the most advanced control room in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it was wonderful. You know, Glasgow was at the forefront of these things. We've said that many, many times. Yeah. Uh, you know, great technology. We were using it before anyone else. They had all these experts and boffins come in to help them to launch it. You know, and there's a picture uh, in the archive of, of guys in white coats, you know, looking at a, a monitor. Well, that was it. I always found it quite Bond lairish. <laughs> yeah. You know, I looked at it and it was like, yeah, you, you're right. These It looked like a laboratory or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the control room, just for anybody who's never realised, it's actually located above directly above the north portal mm. within the north ventilation building so as you enter the tunnel from the north if you look up you'll see people sitting there looking at screens yes you know so they're, they're still yeah. there you know still fulfilling a, a very uh, important you, you, you interact with them if you ever use the pedestrian cycleways they, there's a buzzer system i yeah, understand that's right. so, to get you, you buzz through. in and out they introduced that to try and cut down on vandalism mm-hmm. uh, and, and has worked very well yeah so in terms of completion then so after the main tunnelling works themselves were complete, there was about eight to nine one months of sort of a finishing works that went on to so the cladding, the lighting, the fire hydrants, all these sort of things. And by June 1963, the northbound tunnel was ready. Uh, and then at that point, the main focus switched over to this to the southbound side. But the uh, the opening was was booked. The Queen was booked. Obviously, get it in the diary. Third of July 1963. Along comes the Queen and Prince Philip, and they officially open the northbound tunnel. Huge event, big event, covered in the media widely. Uh, there's a lot of footage out there. We've we've actually got a link to some of it on our YouTube channel from the from the opening. And we've seen the guest book. And we've seen the guest book with the signatures in it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So big event. Tunnel gets opened. Immediately popular. Uh you know, within the first year we had twenty seven thousand vehicles a day using it. Mm-hmm. That's a big number for nineteen sixty three. That is quite a lot. I'm sitting here nodding away. But yeah, it's, it's probably busier than some bits uh, quite a bit of the moment. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, that- I mean, that's that is a you know that's a number of a number of vehicles using it. Uh, I'm just shuffling through my notes here just to make sure that I, that I got all the all the facts and facts and oh, figures. Can't in. leave any facts and figures out. No, no. Um, so, so the southbound tunnel work work continued on that, and then that was then opened not quietly. There was a, there was a small fanfare when the second mm. tunnel because it's March finally then sixty four March sixty four. Yeah. So it's finally now a dual carriageway. But but what what's what, what's next then? Is it connected to much because there well, are at the time. So initially the initially they wanted to build the tunnel and the north and south approaches. However, the budget just didn't allow for that. So the tunnel itself was constructed uh to be connected to the to major roads on either side. So on the northbound side you connected to Dumbarton Road. Now you mm-hmm. can still join Dumbarton Road from the northbound tunnel. That's if you right. take the immediate left as you leave the tunnel, mm. that is the original connection. And if you look over, you'll see this dead space. That was the original connection to this for southbound traffic from yeah. Dumbarton Road. Likewise, in the south side, it was Govan Road. Yeah. And it was the same kind of setup. Um, did you know there's a Clyde Tunnel Park at the south side at Govan Road where you can go in and there's benches and things and you can look down at the tunnel and take photos and 
Yeah. Yeah, no, because no, we went there. We went there. We yeah. went there. It's strangest little place. Nice um, viewpoint and stuff. Yeah, um, it doesn't look like many people go into it, uh, to be honest with you. But yeah, it has a, a nice little park area, as you say, to go get views of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Noisy place, but yeah. Um, the tunnel's still very popular, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah. 25 million vehicles, cyclists and pedestrians, are using it every year. It's one of the busiest transport links in the city of Glasgow and in Scotland, actually. I mean, 25 million is what the Fourth Road Bridge was getting before it was replaced by the Queensferry Crossing. Yeah, in terms of mixed use, yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's a a huge number. It's a very busy crossing. It's still way busier than Erskine Bridge. The thing is that it's it's not really a strategic link, is it? Because it's not going... It tends to handle more local It handles more journeys. local and, and, yeah, inter-regional journeys rather than, let's say, a strategic link like the M73 or even like the Erskine Bridge or something like that where it's taking this inter, inter-city traffic or long-distance traffic. It's, yeah, predominantly kind of local routes. But it also, in some ways, it is a bit of resilience as well uh, from if, other, if, you know, quite a lot of people do use it if the motorway is closed or in, in other areas. It's just another way to, to cross the Clyde. Exactly. One of the only things about it you've got to watch, though, is some of the restrictions within the tunnel. Uh, is certain vehicles are restricted, uh, anything kind of carrying explosives, as the signs indicate, and it also has a height restriction. Yeah, so uh, yeah. there's there's this cool thing that you notice. You know what, uh, Stuart? Do you notice the chains yeah. that dangle down? You know yeah. what they're for? So well, that gives someone a warning that their vehicle is very close to being the the, the maximum height, and yeah. they should stop. Yeah. Yeah, because you hear it scratching on the top. Did you know the tunnel has its own bylaws? No, but I'm not surprised mm-hmm. because the Fourth Road Bridge has its own bylaws. And I was speaking to the team down at the tunnel recently, mm-hmm. um, and David Eigel, who's the the tunnel manager, uh, and he was saying that the bylaws are still still in, still in effect. Yeah. Did you know that the tunnel actually had a minimum speed limit? Yeah, I was just going to bring this up. So this is the blue roundel that you don't see very often mm-hmm. for minimum speed limit. Yeah. What was the minimum speed limit? I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> and he's I'm desperately going to, trying to find it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to... We've got an image that's in the booklet. Again, plug the booklet. Plug the booklet. Plug the, plug the booklet at all costs. Yeah, and I've got another follow-up question, right? For if find, it, if, find out what the limit was. And it was w- eight miles per hour. Okay. Is it still the case? Yes. But it's not signed. But the bylaws are still in existence, so technically the eight mile an hour limit. I mean, nobody's going to go through there at eight miles an hour, unless they're in congestion. Well, I don't know. I've been stuck behind a few Honda Jazzes before <laughs> that would really surprise you how slow they can go. You know what I mean? Um, no, trust you. Mm-hmm. So no, eight eight miles an hour. If you're a Honda Jazz driver, please don't be offended by John's <laughs> comments. Well, you know what I mean. There's those types of vehicles, isn't mm-hmm. it? But okay. Um, so minimum speed limit. Now the other one. This was a. This is almost a myth. This one. But what about the speed camera in the Clyde Tunnel? Somebody went on about. I've heard it before that, that that's was, fire detection. So oh, they've got speed cameras in there. Or, and I was like, I've never seen a speed camera. And it uh, looks like was a hairdryer type thing. Yeah, and people think, well, is that a speed camera or whatever? Or did they maybe have speed cameras in the past no. at, at no. either of no. the portals? That is a smoke detector so people don't understand what yeah. it is I, I i always thought maybe there was like it's, a gatso that sat up one of the ends somewhere it, it, i believe but, it pokes lasers it shines lasers across the other one and if smoke or anything comes up or breaks the laser uh, then then that's old technology i don't know if that's still in use possibly not mm. uh, but that's what my understanding is that's what that was yeah originally okay uh-huh no, fair enough 
Um, anything else to say about the tunnel? Well, before I talk about what's happened since and what they're doing in the future, we really should talk about these approach roads because uh, they're do. obviously they're obviously quite important. Now. So you've established, Stuart, that they they basically immediately is that the the tunnel came out either its portals. You at the north went straight onto the Barton Road. Yeah, you done this kind of quite harsh left, and that is still there. Yeah, and at the south you went onto Govan Road. Yeah. So what came first was the southern approach roads. That's right. Um, which were 1967. So they were, right, so we, we've got two sets of approach roads. So the yeah. south approach roads, which are known as the Clyde Tunnel Expressway today, mm-hmm. they link the tunnel with the M8 at Cardonald, right? So yeah. by the time by the time the main approach roads were coming, we had a highway plan for Glasgow, right? Yeah. So they knew that there was going to be a motorway in the south and they wanted to connect up nicely to that. So they extended the, the, the access from the tunnel round past what was then the Southern General Hospital, through Lint House out to Cardonald to where the future M8 was going to be. And it incorporated, we always get debates about this, the Shield Hall overpass. The Shield Hall overpass, yeah. which was the first... The first major flyover, flyover in, in Scotland. Sorry, Ooh, in Gla- certainly in Glasgow. Glasgow. I was going to say, you've just written off the entire <laughs> M90, the, the, you know, the Heart Hill Bypass, everything, you know. So this was, uh, I'd say in Glasgow, yeah. it was the first major structure. Well, as a flyover... It's I mean, a flyover. Or, yeah, it's, it's a fly. That's what I mean. It's a flyover. Hart Hill yeah. Bypass didn't have any flyovers. Well, it does. Overbridges. Overbridges are very different to flyovers. This is a multi-span right. viaduct that's yeah, going over a local road. It's semantics, maybe, right. but yeah, yeah, okay. Now that that's fair enough. Yeah, it's a viaduct. Yeah. The M90. You had Masterton. That's a uh, and that was completely sixty-four. So you're right. So Masterton would be was right. first, right? But well, do you know what? We'll we'll take this. In off Glasgow, li- we'll take this offline. Yeah, and we'll we'll debate this after the podcast because <laughs> people want to learn all about the Clyde Tunnel. Yeah, they do. But I'm going to tell them about the rest of these approach roads first. Uh, okay. So what began in the south approaches uh, in June 1965. Uh, these were also designed by Halcrone Partners, by the way. They had the commission for the whole lot, uh, including the expressway, as, as we as we said earlier. Uh, £1.2 million contract led to Melville, Dundas and Whitson Limited. There you go. Not a contractor we know because I believe they were acquired shortly after this yeah. and by someone. At, uh, I, I know, I know someone. it from the material. I'm just trying uh-huh. to rack my brain if they were involved in anything else. I not that, not that we don't no, know. No, not not they will have been obviously, but nothing from a roads point of view. Yeah, in Glasgow that we have interest in. Okay, uh, that was opened on the 30th of November 1967. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, that became the A739, uh, down to Cardonald to Paisley Road West. Because yeah. there was no M8 at that point. The M8 no. was still nine years away at that stage. 1976, wasn't it? Yeah. That section opens right. of the M8. The, the North Approaches, uh, which included the distinctive White Inch interchange, and one, one we're a big fan of. Yes. Uh, and also included direct connections to Crew Road and the Clydeside Expressway, or the future Clydeside Expressway, because again, we didn't have that quite at that point. No. Uh, that work began in April 1967. It was completed on the 9th of April 1969. Uh, they were built by Balfour Beatty at a cost of two point two million, so they were completed four years before the expressway came, came along. Them. But they obviously knew the expressway was was coming uh, in those areas. There was also the Crow Road Expressway, which they thought about, which was uh, the, the kind of improved route yeah. beyond. That. So we got part of that. But we got we got kind of part of that. So no, the White Inch Interchange, and it's an amazing interchange, and we've spoken about it so many times in this podcast, especially when we're talking about junctions. There's just kept over that two levels very compact they had to obviously keep quite a lot of the housing that yeah. they had there and they had victoria park as well so they had to squeeze in this 
and junction f- to allow for all these movements. Right. Do you know it's got all these pedestrian underpasses there as oh, well? Oh, yeah, yeah, you tried to drag me through half of them. <laughs> I remember that you, you refused. Yeah. Uh, but I, I find these places inviting, so what can I say? There you go. Um, well, it, it, it's safe, isn't it? You, you can basically get across the road without ever meeting traffic. Those... Uh, distinctive features that you're talking about there for making it compact and the like that was a corporation requirement you know mm. for them to minimize the impact on on high quality it property does, it does it so impact. well it yeah. does it so well that junction it needs more credit yeah, yeah. Um, you're right it does it really does so there's a great photo of it in the booklet mm-hmm. uh and on, on and on the website yeah uh, definitely worth having a look uh, one thing we didn't say just the tunnel's total cost i ended up about ten and a half million pounds which is not a lot really but and if you you know, if you multiply that it's, over the years and look at inflation, it works out at about £180 million pounds today. Yeah. Um, now, would you build those tunnels for £180 million today? No, you wouldn't not. because there's a lot of other what requirements. What did you say now. the original cost was? £10.5 Well, you'd spend that on your bat surveys straight away. <laughs> yeah. no. You would, though. Let's think about a lot of... The, um, there is actually a sensible point I make here, is that we are far more sensitive to or, or uh, we are far more sensible and sensitive to environmental factors than they yeah. were back in the day there's so many more things we consider now ecological so, factors be, and exactly before a shovel hits the ground there's a lot of consultation and in some cases quite rightly so uh, on the impacts that these these schemes have yes so yeah. that is something we always i would always keep that in mind if you are if you are thinking about wow that was cheap back mm-hmm. then and we could do so much now Things are a lot more expensive. That's why we're over the hill when it comes to affordable, big <clears> civil <throat> engineering uh, uh, kind of contracts in, in, in this day and age because it is very expensive to do it now. There was a time that existed after the war when it was easy to get these things done. You're right. You're I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, yeah. I hope I'm not going to get chastised for saying that, no. but that is the truth. You're you right. Know? You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, and... It helped that a lot of the property, particularly on the north side of the river, was was earmarked for clearance anyway. Mm. So it was it was fairly easy to, to fit in these these new roads you, and what was going to be empty pockets of land. Um, there was there was tenements and there were a few things that were getting clear. I mean, there's an image of Dumbarton Road in the booklet, yeah. and if you look at that now, you did one of those then and now. That's right. Posts completely different. That road is changed beyond all recognition. Yeah. Uh, from 1963 to now, mm. uh, you you wouldn't recognise it. It went from a very inviting, welcoming, happy-looking place to a place you would rather not be. Mm. Uh, is that the right way? Mm. That's not for me to say. But uh, it's just it's it's a noticeable change in the character of that area, and I don't necessarily think it was for the better. Yeah, but vehicle traffic was able to move quite freely through, and you know. And if that's your priority, then that's fine. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, fortunately for me, I don't live there. But you know, if if, if people are passing through or whatever, yes. but I say, no, I do you see. You take a point. the point. Yeah, I take the point. I take okay. The point. So that's that's the approach roads, I guess. I'm yes. Pretty happy with that more or less covers everything. So I'm going to talk a bit about the sort of work that's been done. So the tunnel has, I mean, the tunnel itself has changed beyond all recognition since it was mm. completed. And looking at those images from the opening day, you you realise that immediately. You know, it looks nothing like that anymore. Not the interior. Um, the linings have changed. There was a lot of work done about twenty years ago to fireproof it, and, and, and a huge, big contract that went on for a while to do all that back in the early two thousands. I remember when that work was going on. Um, there was a lot of overnight work for a very long time. Uh, the, the council continues to to invest money in, in the tunnel they because it is maintained and managed still by Glasgow City Council. And it's not a trunk road. 
It, yeah, that's right. It's a council thing. And it's not told. It's not told either. Yeah. Mm. Which is good. Yeah, it's good. You know, it makes it, it more accessible. Yeah, I, I think there is a discussion around tolling and pricing and how, how do they, they carry on raising money to maintain this thing. But at the moment, it's such an important crossing that that would actually be very detrimental to the people there. I, I mean, some ways I support tolling to to bring about a, uh, a kind of... Guaranteed revenue stream. A guaranteed yeah. revenue stream, that's exactly it. But in other ways, it's a pain, isn't it? You know yeah. what I mean? And and it will hurt people every day who are constantly going through that. Maybe they might look at this and uh, maybe I hope they'll not give them ideas when other crossings open up further up the Clyde. Mm-hmm. You never know. Yeah. I, in terms of work that's been completed recently, people probably will have noticed that a new LED lighting system was installed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's quite good, actually. Yeah, it is quite, good. Quite good. Uh, uh, and new CCTV systems have been installed as well. Actually, really impressive CCTV. When I was at the control room, uh, a few weeks ago, I managed to get a wee tour. Wow, really impressive, yeah, high resolution come CCTV a, in come there. A long way since yeah, the sixties. It really, really <laughs> has. Probably some of the most impressive CCTV on mm. the Scottish Road network in in that tunnel. That's good that uh, they've invested yeah. in that because uh-huh. it's for safety. Yep. Uh, and a further three and a half million pounds of investment is planned before twenty twenty five, and that will see the installation of a new traffic control system. Okay. So new traffic signals, new lane control signals. A refurbishment of the tunnel ventilation building. So they are getting a wee bit tired, particularly at the south side. You know, the old cladding starting to get a wee bit rough looking. Mm. That's all going to be refreshed and renewed. That'll make them a bit more attractive looking. That's all been done. Uh, other planned works include variable message displays, radio rebroadcasting equipment, and a public address voice alarm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I was going to mention this. Wasn't there something in there already for the uh, radio system? I, I can't remember. No, we, they we, didn't have a radio rebroadcast system previously. Okay, so it might be some other song I'm thinking of, but how, how does this work? It's like if there's an emergency and you're it, listening to an FM it, radio. It just means if you're listening to DAB or FM radio as you drive through the tunnel, you'll get signal dropout at the moment. Mm-hmm. However, when this system's installed, you, your your signal will just continue. Right, so it's a relay. But it and be, also for mobile phones. And will it work for emergencies if they need to put a message through? Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what that's oldest tunnel systems have that. Yeah. Like a, a radio yeah. system. So you you, so. you will get all that as well. Yeah, that's so very cool. Yeah. The, the mobile phone signal as mm-hmm. well. And and like you mentioned earlier on, so even when the tunnel opened, it had this sort of a incident support vehicle. So they had their own sets of vehicles down there, recovery vehicles. Mm. And it's always been the case that if you broke down in the tunnel, they would come and rescue you. Now initially there was a charge, a very small charge for that way back in the day. That's what, that's all we've done away with now. It was like three which, shillings exactly, and a, something, and a like, something, like that, or something yeah. incomprehensible. Um, yeah. And they had their own branded recovery vehicles <laughs> that would come and get you. Now that was getting done in there in the sixties and it's something that's widespread now in the motorways and trunk roads. But mm. you know, we were doing it there decades before that, you yeah. know? Very impressive. Very pioneering bit of work. Yeah. And yeah. and you know, something that something that we should point out, I mean there's traffic signals at either end of the tunnel, and some people do get frustrated sometimes when they, t- they come around the bend and they're at red and they have to sit there. But always bear in mind that if those traffic signals are at red, it means that there's a genuine incident in that tunnel. If you broke down in the tunnel mm. on the steep incline on the way out, would you want other traffic zooming past you? Or would you rather they closed it till until they could come and recover you? I, you know? Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd want it closed. Obviously, exactly. Obviously, yeah. So show a bit of patience the next time. Mm. Apparently, that's you know, one of the biggest issues they get is I, abuse I, when that that sort of thing happens. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because the, the, the signals are at red. Is maybe that this is why they're going for the variable message system on mm-hmm. the immediate portals to say put a bit more messaging out about it. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I'm I'm surprised at that, but I've never actually seen it. No, I've, it's not happened to me. Happened to me once. I was stuck for. 
20 minutes or something. Frustrating, yeah, but uh, again, mm. there's always a valid reason for it. They're not just going to shut the tunnel. And you know, one of the things that's also good about it, they've got these automatic barriers as well now, when they're doing work overnight and they can direct traffic Very easily to put it next. through contraband. I've yeah. driven through it the wrong way mm-hmm. um, as directed a few times. Yeah, because they're very good stripping. with their maintenance regime, very clean, very tidy. Other parts I of the network that. could take note. When we went for a visit all these years, I found it very tidy. Spotless. Yeah, Absolutely it was it was spotless. kind of maintained yeah. and done yeah. well, you know. Yeah. Which I suppose you, you do get when you have that kind of maintenance regime focused on something like mm-hmm. that. So uh, did you know there's a Clyde Tunnel game? Is this the hold your breath game? It is. I was thinking you were gonna produce some board some game. Board game yeah, from yeah, the Yes, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so, so this is hold your breath. See if you can hold your breath yeah. to go all the way to the other side. Uh, have you ever tried it, Stuart? Yes, I have. Popular game amongst uh, kids and occasionally adults using the tunnel, basically trying to hold your breath as you travel from one side to the other. Has anyone now, ever managed it? A car travelling at 30 miles an hour takes only 57 seconds to travel from one side to the other. So it's actually very easy to do it. Okay. Uh, obviously in congestion or at peak times, maybe just a bit more difficult. I know, because uh-huh. you could set yourself up for um, asphyxiation there. If it is, <laughs> if... I'm sure you would breathe in before you got to that stage some of us really want to prove a point and that's wow. the hill we'll die on you know that's right so, uh, so yeah there you go so there's a, a Clyde Tunnel game uh, it's become I'd say fairly iconic absolutely for Glasgow it's a city landmark it's well regarded it is one piece of the infrastructure of the city that's perhaps not being criticised or moaned about in the, the current climate <laughs> you know why because people don't see it yeah, it's it kind of hidden away goes under yeah. and it does its it does its job I think in some other pieces of infrastructure, they're very overt. Yeah. So I just want to say, happy 60th birthday, Clyde Yes, Tunnel. happy 60th. Here's to at least another 60. I hope so. Yeah. We we love you. Uh, you you're well maintained, you're well looked after, and obviously, very obviously appreciated by the people who work on, on it. Uh, that, that came through immediately when I was talking to them. Mm. Uh, and, and again, I thank them again also for their access to to the tunnel, to the control room, to the records and some of the other information they had. We're very grateful. It was nice to, to get involved in a in a non-trunk road uh, yeah. anniversary. For Something different. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we hope everybody enjoys the, the material that's gone out in the new photos, both on the social media and on the on the web article. And if you do have any questions about any of it, you know, feel free to get in touch. Share your Clyde Tunnel stories with us as well in the social media feed. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, Speaking of social media, mm-hmm. you know, we're obviously going to be talking about the Clyde Tunnel and the booklet and everything in there. Yes. But don't forget, we talk about everything to do with roads in Scotland on social media. So it's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's Instagram. Check us out there on all the usual channels. Yeah, and all the podcasts are available online in your usual places. Uh, Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, YouTube. YouTube. Yep. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find us. Yes. Leave us a review because that is the best way for us to get noticed. Yeah. We just last week oh. hit 50,000 unique downloads of the podcast. 50,000. 50,000. And I'm assured and I'm told by someone who works for a major media organization in this country that our podcast figures are more impressive than some of their podcast listener oh, figures. Oh, really? So we'll take that. As I was going to start guessing bonus. organisations there, but I probably shouldn't. Let's not give Let's it not away. Let's not do that. Okay, but <laughs> that's fine. And it's such a niche thing. But may- maybe, Stuart, people tune in because it's not maybe about the roads, but they just love us. Who couldn't love us. 
<laughs> I, might, I was going to say, no, it's probably not that. But no, either way, we're very, very grateful for it. And um, it's uh, well, as long as people keep enjoying it, we'll we'll keep doing it. Exactly. And there's a number of other very interesting podcasts coming up this year, including mm. a couple of anniversaries. Uh, one is unusual for us. It's an old anniversary, as we, we hinted at earlier. No one will probably guess what it is. It's um, very old. It's, it is very old. So yeah. it's your birthday, then, is oh, it? Oh, <laughs> oh. I, I lined that straight up as well. Not far <laughs> behind me, boy. Uh, so, yeah, that, that'll be coming next month. So that's okay. August. Terrific. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed this one. Yes. And we'll see you soon. See you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.